It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitten Madness. And here he goes. Defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games, all across the Mitten State. That's not something to play with. Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dave John Hughes. Hello there, welcome in to Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. Jacob Harrison and Dejan Hughes. Let's talk all things Michigan sports for the next hour. We've got college basketball, we've got NBA, hockey, we've even got a little bit of combine stuff coming up. We're going to have a good time talking Michigan sports, but before we do, as always, DJ, how's it going, man? Oh, man, I'm not, I'm not doing too bad right now. I'm, I'm doing okay. The Red Wings are back. We're, we're on our way to the playoffs. I'm happy about that. Lacrosse is pretty much full swing between pro and college. And then I start practice in a couple of weeks. I'm getting a tattoo. Uh, later today, actually, as most of you are, are listening to this Saturday morning, 515, I'll be in the chair getting tatted. So that'll be nice. And then Sunday, I'm going to a lacrosse game, Notre Dame, Maryland, top 10 matchup. Uh, so yeah, good weekend ahead for me. Yeah, I'm incredibly jealous of you getting a tattoo. Uh, it's it's been way too long for me. Uh, I mean, it's been three years for me. So like, that's about how long about it's been time. for me. Yeah. I go. I normally go every year around my birthday or like on my birthday. So to be like three years, just yeah, whatever. I was like, I need to get back to it. There's there's a certain itch <laughs> that that scratches. Uh, most of our listeners are saying you guys are psychopaths. Uh, so let's talk sports. Uh, Michigan State Spartans. There, man. It feels like week to week, the the conversation around this team gets more and more depressing because they're not they're not doing the things that you would expect them to do. Uh, and since last we talked, a loss to Iowa, a loss to Ohio State, and later today, as you're listening, they have to go to Purdue. And play the Boilermakers, the number two team in the country. Um, that, that's a hard three-game losing streak that is staring them in the face. And if they do that, things are going to get really, really ugly. Uh, I, I mean, granted, I think they'd have to lose out to, to miss out on the tournament and also, you know, not perform at all in the Big Ten Championship. But right now, they're a nine seed. Last time we talked, they were a four, right? Something like that. They were pretty high. Yeah. So this is getting out of hand. Uh, for Michigan, I think, well, actually, they were probably like a, what, a six or something like that. I don't know. But now they're, they're a nine seed right now. They're matched up with Texas as an eight seed in the Eastern bracket. They've moved around a lot in, in bracketology, which is to be expected. But, um, you know, that strong finish that, that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I, I'm trying to be optimistic because I know how these Michigan State seasons pan out on a right. regular. Yeah. You think, oh, Michigan State isn't good. They're not going to do anything this year. They're, they might not make the tournament or they're going to get in the tournament and flop and then they go out and make the final four and you're stuck with your jaw on the ground because you're like, why? Right. How? So I'm not even going to do that. I just, what I see is 17 11. They're six in the Big Ten. Like you said, as long as they don't lose out, which they shouldn't. In my opinion, they're better than Northwestern. They're better than Indiana. Purdue this weekend will be a tough game. But then again, 
They just lost to Ohio State. Like three. Everybody's better than Ohio State basketball in the Big Ten, and except for Michigan. Um, I mean, sorry, but, but I mean, not really because I mean that might be standings wise, but I'm pretty sure. Well, they were at the bottom not they, that long ago. I say I think they only played once so far this year, and Michigan beat Ohio State. So we did something that Michigan State. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> the the biggest thing is actually we have done something that Ohio. Michigan State couldn't. That was beat Ohio State in basketball. And and Michigan State lost that game at home, which is also troublesome. How do you lose to a team like Ohio State at home? Yeah. You gotta you gotta win that kind of game. Um so I think things are tough later today, eight PM uh when they play Purdue, but I think later on in the season, taking on Northwestern and Indiana gives them a good time to kind of reset things before heading into the Big Ten tourney and, and the NCAA tourney. When you know, those two games, maybe win one or two in the Big Ten tourney, whether you win it or not, you should be fine getting into the, the big game, uh, well, the big one. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to pick the Purdue game later in the show, but I mean, when it comes down to these final three games heading into the Big Ten tournament, uh, doesn't look like their standings will change too much um, unless, you know, of course, some chaotic things happen like losing out, Iowa winning out, those types of things. Seems like they're pretty settled in here at either – the, the six or the seven, depend, unless Nebraska falls off, which they shouldn't, their schedule is very, very easy. What is it that the, the Spartans need to change, I mean, whether it's in this Purdue game or if it's in those final two games leading into the Big Ten tourney, what is it that they need to to change, to, to rectify? I'm looking at some team stats, they're 35th in the country in assists, and that's not too bad. And I know there's a lot of teams, but uh, 170th with 75 points per game, uh, Seems pretty awful at rebounds, 34 and a half per game. That's 301st in the country. I know there's a lot of teams, but good grief. I mean, what exactly is it that they need to change in order to get better, get back on that track, and and finish strong heading into a tournament that can really, really boost their chances here in, in the NCAA tournament? Because like we talked last week, there's reason to feel pretty optimistic about them getting into the tournament. It's not just, like you said, it's a Michigan State thing. They get in and they're all of a sudden they're playing like the old Spartans that you that you know and love if you're from East Lansing. Um, but they're also just in that position to, to be favorably seated and to get a good track ahead of them. Uh because like we talked about last week, there's certain seeds you don't really want to play. You'll you'll be just fine playing a three seed, but you don't necessarily want to play some of these four seeds. Looking at the four seeds right now, Auburn, Kentucky, um, Duke, San Diego State. No, thank you. Uh, whereas with the three seeds, Creighton, Alabama, and uh, Kansas and Baylor, two of those teams are pretty beatable. And I'm sorry to say one of them is my alma mater. Uh, so, you know, there's certain situations you don't want to find yourself in. So what do the Spartans actually need to fix within the coming weeks before the start of March Madness? Uh, the biggest thing for me is the rebounding. Um, that's how you end a defensive possession. You can play great defense, force a horrible shot, force a tough shot, create a miss. But if you don't rebound, they just get to reload, run their offense again, find another shot. You can do that two, three, four times. But if you're playing good defense and not grabbing the rebound, they're eventually going to score. So to be rebounding at a 301st out of something like 500 teams, I think it is, or something like that, like, sure, that's not terrible, but it's not great. Yeah. And it's not a normal Michigan State rebounding average. They're normally in the hundreds or lower. 300 is 
crazy, and it's not going to help you, especially when you start playing teams that are in the tournament. You got to be able to rebound and end their offensive possession so you can start yours. That is like, to me, the main key that they have to focus on is rebounding. And I mean, even focusing on defensive rebounding helps you offensively as well. You're boxing out on the defensive end. So now you know how strong these guys are. You know positioning. Like, granted, you're in college, so we shouldn't have to talk about this too much, but those kind of things matter. The more you focus on ending a defensive possession, the more you realize offensively where you can move around inside of the post to be in a better and more advantageous position to grab offensive rebounds as well, putbacks, all those kind of things. Two, three, four shot possessions normally do better for teams on the offensive end than a defensive team. So both both sides of that, one, grabbing more offensive rebounds to give yourself more opportunities off the miss, but more so importantly and, and more of an emphasis is defensively you have to rebound and close out possessions. Giving up second chance opportunities does not help anyone. In turn, that would mean looking at uh, Matty Sissico, Malik Hall, and Carson Cooper, who are the leading rebounders on the team. 5.6 for Sissico, 5.4 for Hall, 4.6 for Cooper. Those just aren't very high numbers, uh, especially when you look at Sissico or Cooper. They're centers, a little bit more traditional in that sense with 3.7 and 3.6 points per game, 17 minutes. But when your bigs are in, you need them to be dominant. Like uh, when you see a lot of smaller teams – and they bring out those bigs and those bigs just aren't they aren't imposing and they aren't crashing the boards and and, you know creating extra possessions it makes things very very difficult Uh, Malik Hall a little bit more of a rounded player with the the 13 points per game and a couple of assists as well Um, but yeah I can see I can definitely see where that might be the case and that's the kind of thing that can really really haunt you in the tournament because you'll get teams that are just flying around on pure adrenaline and they'll have smaller guys coming up with rebounds and creating extra opportunities. And if you don't have those extra opportunities, you're going to put yourself in a, in a precarious, precarious position. Uh, and that's something that we know Purdue is, is very good at. Purdue is very good at all things, um, no matter which way you slice it. But when it comes down to, um, you know, being under the board, you know they're averaging 41 rebounds per game that is a a stark stark difference they're averaging 85 points per game i know we're comparing a middle of the road team to one of the best in the entire country um that are led by you know a monstrous player in zach Eady. but uh you know when you when you want to tackle giants in the NCAA tournament you've got a perfect opportunity uh later tonight to to kind of stack yourself up and show yourself that that you can compete in those situations because you don't just want an easy, like, sure, you do want an easy ride through the NCAA tournament to achieve your goals, but you're going to have to run into a team like a Purdue that is just, they're bigger, stronger, faster than you, and you've got to have some will willpower in you. And that's, I think that's one of the things that we've kind of missed out of Michigan State, especially down the stretch when you had such a good opportunity and you're, you're kind of wasting it away losing to teams like Ohio State. Yeah, my biggest thing is, Game like tonight it could be huge for Michigan State. They beat Purdue somehow and upset them. You're riding great momentum into Northwestern Indiana right into the tournament. Yep. That's good for you. So focus on tonight and then focus on getting that momentum headed into the big one. Um, but that's it. Michigan State's in good position if they can work on that rebounding piece and end those defensive possessions. 
For sure. We'll uh, continue that conversation a little bit later when we pick the, Mer- the, the Michigan State Spartans-Purdue Boilermakers game in the final segment. We'll see if one of us is uh, feeling a little froggy to, to take that upset. Uh, but we've got more coming up, including Red Wings-Pistons next here on Mitten Madness 95.3 W. WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejan Hughes. Let's talk some Detroit pro sports. We're going to leave the Tigers off this week. It's been, I don't know, an interesting start for them (laughs) in the spring training. Uh, Pretty brutal play that's already kind of made the rounds on social media and whatnot. We'll we'll give them some reprieve. Instead, we're going to talk about uh, first the Detroit Red Wings, who, yes, you know, did lose their most recent game to the Islanders, but that wasn't after a six-game winning streak, Uh, including a overtime win in Chicago over the Blackhawks. DJ and I both got that one right with the overtime goal being scored by Patrick Kane, which is incredible. And then they followed that up with an 8-3 to win over the Caps. That all in turn, now granted the, the loss to the Islanders, you know, it's a thing that happened, but the Islanders are still a good ways back from being in the wild card conversation. The Red Wings really have kind of a nice buffer, if you will, for having that first wild card spot with a game later today against the Florida Panthers. I mean, look, nobody's knocking the Panthers out of that that one seed in the Easter Conference, I don't think, anytime soon. But they could do some real damage as far as continuing to hype themselves up here and uh, and making some headway. I don't know that they can really get too far into this. I mean, they've got some some wins over Toronto there that could help. But regardless, I mean, this has been a very impressive stretch for Detroit. You know, it wasn't a couple of weeks ago. I was getting starting to get a little worried. Some of those losses were piling up a little too much. Some of those uh, points against were... We're getting a little too high for my taste, but those six wins in a row, I don't care if you're playing some of the, the weaker teams in the in the league or not. That win over the Avalanche was huge. That win over the Blackhawks was huge. And now they've got an opportunity at the Panthers again, who they beat the last time out. So fun stuff going on for the Red Wings, huh? Yeah, I mean they're they're back to being the Red Wings. Back to competing for a spot in the turn in the playoffs back to being an exciting team to watch back to being a team that can score goals back to being a hard-hitting team they are the Detroit Red Wings they are playing like an original six NHL team and you know what it's been five or six years now Detroit couldn't wait for this to happen again LCA is rocking day in and day out when it comes to the Red Wings being on the ice there fans are there they're excited and they're winning games 72 points right now I'll take 33 21 and six mm-hmm. I, will, I'll, I'll, I will take that <laughs> I'll take the records home and away too I mean it's, it's 18, impressive. 9 and 5, 15, 12 and 1 on the road. Like, Some teams are differential. only good at home or on the road. They're good in both environments. And really and truly, like that that's all you can really ask for. And their point differentials are, are great too. A plus 25. Now, I, you know, don't look too high up in the standings because Florida and Boston and, and the, the Rangers will humble you a little bit. But I mean, the, but does it humble you or does it make you excited about what the Red Wings can and will be? Well, considering how well they've played against the Panthers and the Bruins, and the Leafs who are up there ahead of them in their own division. You know, I, I, I'm kind of getting to that point where it's it's 
getting exciting again. That's, I think that's kind of like the perfect moment to get exciting. I mean, you, absolutely. Obviously, there's still a little bit of distance between now and the Stanley Cup playoffs. This Now's is, a great time to start getting excited. This is a time excited. where you start getting excited because you can see the teams who are like, okay, we have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs, so let's start acting like it. Let's start preparing versus the teams that are like, we just want to ruin people's seasons because <laughs> we're not going to make it that far, so let's make sure you don't either. And the Red Wings are in perfect position to just focus on themselves. Tunnel vision moment here. Be focused on Detroit. Be focused on the Red Wings. If they're not walking into Little Caesars Arena all the time, then you don't need to worry about it. Focus on yourself and stay the course because they have a pretty nice grip on the on the wild card. Whether they, you know, lose a couple games here or there, maybe they drop below the lightning, but there's still an eight-point difference between them and the next team under the lightning. Yeah. Wings are at 72. The jer- the Devils are at 64. That's points right now. So, and, and with them being 7-3 and three in their last 10, 10 and that the wings I'm talking plus 25 still haven't given up 200 goals on the year yet. They're pacing to continue playing well. So stay the course, stay motivated. But at the same time, like you said, how well you've played against the Rangers, the Bruins, the Panthers, the Leafs, all of that matters. When you look at teams that are plus 37, plus 33, plus 38, and you beat some of those teams 5-2, or you've lost to some of those teams by one in overtime, or you beat some of those teams by two goals, you start to feel good. You know that you're playing the type of hockey you want to play because you're competing with teams that are dominating people. Florida Panthers, the last 10, are 9-1, and one with a, and they're plus 53 in the goal differential stance. If you're able to beat them, you can beat anybody in the league. But so a the, lot of that has to do with their defense, too. I mm-hmm. think, look through this Eastern Conference. I was looking through the Western Conference and be like, wow, Detroit really stacks up really well with a lot of these teams until you get to the goals four. Goals four for Detroit compared to the rest of the Eastern Conference, one team, right? Am I looking at this right? Yeah, one team has more points in the Eastern Conference, and that's the Maple Leafs, who, if I'm not mistaken, um, the Red Wings are 2-1 and one against this year, I think, if I'm not wrong. I believe so. So... <laughs> Come on, like the offensive firepower. Sure, like the the defense, I think is what can be a little bit inconsistent. Um, but the offensive firepower is is really what's what's keeping them up. Um, yeah, they're one of nine teams in the league that has scored two hundred goals this year. Yeah, nine. But the defense is get is starting to, is creeping up. I know you said you know they haven't given up two hundred yet. Um, but I think you know it it's it's close because it's at one ninety one, and a lot of those teams that are out of the you know kind of out of the playoff picture, you know they've already given up not just a or excuse me they've given up just a few points more. It's not a huge differential. Um, but when you look at the wins, it's oftentimes they're really putting up extravagant points like eight, six, five, and the defense is kind of all over the place. And I thought that that has a little bit to do with your opposition uh but not a lot of their wins are tight wins you know you do get the 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 overtime win you got the overtime win against the avalanche as well uh you know 4-3 win over the canucks but almost everything else is a wide margin of victory or defeat but some of those losses, they're still putting up a good amount of goals, whether it's four in the eight to four loss to, to the Oilers or it's, uh, four to the Stars and the five to four loss to the Stars or even this past loss to the Islanders, five to three. So you can rely on the offense, but I think that next step to really making some noise and climbing higher than 12th in these ESPN power rankings and starting to challenge teams like Vegas and Edmonton and Colorado, who they've beaten Toronto, who they've beaten, um, and really climb into the, uh, you know, the respect category. I think, you know, getting a bit stronger on defense is going to be pretty key in that. 
Well, I don't even know if it's necessarily defense. I think the Wings are doing pretty solid on the defensive end, not really giving up a lot of odd man rushes, not giving up breakaways, forcing the best possible shot for their goalie to see. Yeah. They've had goalie health issues. From time to time, their goalie has been hurt, which I think is part of the problem. A big thing with goalie play is consistency and flow and, and being able to get in your groove. If you're hurt, you're in and out of that groove. And then it's hard to get your spot back because maybe the other goalie gets in a groove and he's playing well and you don't want to mess that up. So goalie is one of those weird positions where injuries really affect more than you see on the wings and and the forwards, the defense. There's normally an extra forward or an extra D guy. So those pairings get moved around from time to time. So it's not a big deal to have somebody get hurt, depending on who it is, and then have them be replaced by another skater. Your goalie, oftentimes you're not changing goalies if you don't need to. Yeah. I'm, you'll give your guy a day of rest here and there when you know when it sees fit. But for the most part, your goalie's playing every single game you, you get out on the ice. So if they're not doing that and they're not getting in that groove and seeing shots all the time, it messes with you know their game. And that's something the Wings have had to battle with is injuries between the pipes. But for where they are, I think they're doing okay having to deal with those injuries. If they're able to streamline that and stay healthy and find a goalie that's able to get in that groove and work, the Wings are in great shape. Fun times for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I'll be sure to catch that that game tomorrow afternoon. Um, I think that's going to be an important one, but not a be-all, end-all you know, kind of situation if they lose it. But very important if they are able to pull it off against the Panthers tomorrow. Or excuse me, later today. Um, on to the Pistons. That uh, that streak of games, Clippers, Lakers, Suns, Pacers, Magic, Knicks, I think went kind of exactly how, how we thought. That's a six-game losing streak. Tough break, uh, but do come back on the other side of that uh, in a winnable game against the Bulls on the road. Pull it off with 26 from Cunningham leading the way, 105-95. Um, pretty solid stuff there. I know the, the Knicks have been, or excuse me, not the Knicks. I don't know why I said the Knicks. The Pistons have been on the receiving end of some pretty horrendous highlights that I've seen uh, just scroll in social media the past few days, but nonetheless, you do want to see them just get in the win column here and there, uh, but not oh, you know, you're kind of getting to the point where you're like don't overdo it, you know, we still need still need a good shot at, at landing that uh, landing that first overall pick, um, but nonetheless, Cavs, Magic, Heat is the, the weekend lineup here, the Heat starts the next week, obviously so, before we get to the very interesting aspect of why we're talking about the Pistons today. Just to take on the win over the Bulls after the six-game losing streak and now these upcoming games that, uh, you know, they should be able to at least pull off one or two of them. Um, More than likely one. No, they won't. Um, The Cavs have solid guard play. Uh, The Heat are good, and so are the Magic. These are three playoff teams, and you know what the Pistons aren't? A playoff team. Playoff team. So I, I don't <laughs> think this goes well, but I think the Nets might be a good chance for them to get reset uh, yeah. and head in. Mavericks always struggle against lower teams. And then you got the Hornets and Raptors right after that as well. So I think that in four-game stretch after this three is better for the Pistons. Well, I, th- I okay, so to, to justify myself, the Heat was not one of the teams. Obviously, Emo J- Jimmy Butler is the man. Um, Cavs are the team that was a little bit more unknown to me. And the Magic is a team that, yes... The Pistons have consistently lost two all year, but most of those games have been rather close. Uh, so that was kind of my thought process. And I was still stuck in like 2018 nets where it wasn't 
so bad, <laughs> or at least they had some star power. Uh, but the main reason we're talking about the Pistons is because the Wizards have the chance to do the funniest thing ever. Uh, now, granted, we're a month away from this, but the Wizards are the only other team to be nearly as bad as the Pistons. And when they face off on March 29th, if the Wizards lose every game between now and then, which is a staunch possibility, the Wizards could break the Pistons record that they set this year for the longest losing streak. You going to go to that one? <laughs> go out to D.C. and go see that history? I might have to. <laughs> My boy Isaiah Livers is down there. Here's hoping. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some football for the first time in a, in a little while because the NFL Combine is going on. We've got some Michigan superstars that are, excuse me, a Michigan superstar hoping to hear his name called in the first round. Uh, we'll talk about that awkward scenario and some J.J. McCarthy heading to the NFL next here on Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. Detroit sports fans, Wolverines and Spartans alike, this is your sports show, Mitten Madness, with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK. Back here on Mitten Madness, 95.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Let's talk some Michigan football, and by that I mean some NFL football, the NFL Combine. So a weird thing occurred to me not too long ago, DJ, that there are plenty of big boards about, I don't know, three weeks ago that had zero Michigan Wolverines in the top 32, which means there are people that think there will be no Michigan Wolverines selected in the first round, which is bonkers because the past several national champions, uh, Georgia has set a record. Alabama has set a record and and both those programs have had a stupid number of first round picks. Michigan could have zero. Well, within those few weeks, JJ McCarthy has really flown up draft draft boards. Um, and one of the big reasons why is because you know what? He's a winner and that's kind of what he's selling at his NFL draft interviews at the NFL combine is look, I haven't thrown as much as Michael Penix. I haven't thrown as much as Caleb Williams, Drake may don't have, you know, the crazy talents that they have in my arm, but I win football games. And, you know, that's got to count for something. And really and truly, he could look to the win in the Rose Bowl against Alabama. It was really the one time he was asked to come back from behind and and lead a game-winning drive, and he did it. So a lot of things going J.J. McCarthy's way. I know you're a big fan of J.J. McCarthy. Uh, you know, there's there's some video of him gushing about being a Vikings, uh, or excuse me, gushing about his interview and meeting with the Vikings. I know I've seen his name pop up uh, to land in Minnesota a few times. I'm sure you probably wouldn't appreciate that quite that much. But nonetheless, I mean, things are looking up for J.J. McCarthy to at least be the one if there is one Michigan Wolverine selected in the first round at the NFL draft in April in Detroit. I think J.J. has a good chance of going first. Um, not necessarily like first overall, but in the first round, <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of scouts and stuff have come out and said that he's done better than they were expecting, and he's slowly been moving up the draft boards uh, in their minds mm. and in terms of how good he is, how smart he is, his football IQ, the, the personality he brings, all those things they've kind of pointed out. So he's been moving up slowly, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him fall either. Some people just aren't sold on him, and I get that. He doesn't have the stats and the, the eye pieces that everybody else was able to see 
from these other quarterbacks throughout the year due to playing in the Michigan system. Um, as far as the NFC North situation, I would hate to see him go to Minnesota. That's just me being me. Um, I think they're just fine with Kirk Cousins, and I think he should stay there, but I don't even know if that's going to happen. It doesn't seem like it will. I'll let the Vikings figure out their Vikings thing, but I'm extremely happy to hear that Justin Fields is supposed to be getting shipped off to Atlanta. That means I heard that that cooled down, so who knows? Hey, I've been seeing that it's almost, it's basically a done deal. I've been seeing that it's cooled down. It doesn't matter what they do. I, well, I'll say we're going to beat them this year. I'm more concerned if they keep Justin Fields than if they let him go. I would love to see them let that man walk right out the door because he is a winner. Yes. Justin Fields can figure it out if you get him help. Caleb Williams, I'm not sold on. Caleb so, Williams has had some weird stuff come out. I, I would love to see Caleb Williams go into the Chicago Bears organization and continue to make it the slot fest joke that it is. But I don't I don't want to doubt Caleb Williams because he's a fantastic football player. Th- this whole thing, like, did we not establish a year ago that you can't have ownership stake in a team if you're on the team? Did we not establish, like, Come on, dude. Like, catch up. Play ball with the rest of us. This whole, you know, I'm not going to do any medical testing at the the combine because 32 teams can't draft me. Like, I get it to a degree, but come on, man. You, you got to. But, yeah, I, I don't. You, you got to figure things out at some point for Caleb Williams. I hope he's successful, but that that's a bizarro world. But to kind of put J.J. McCarthy in that conversation with the other quarterbacks, it it. Is fairly clear that it's JJ Drake, or excuse me, it's Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then it's your argument between JJ McCarthy and the Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, and then I think it's Michael Penix and then Bonex. Uh, <laughs> I, that's just, that's a lot of quarterbacks that after Drake May, or I think more so my opinion after Jaden Daniels, where it's a lot of, huh. He could be okay. He could be good. But I see a lot of these guys that are falling into that same category as the quarterback of my favorite team. That's Kenny Pickett where they've had all this time where they've been pretty average and then they have one great season. And I don't think J.J. McCarthy fits in that. Penix and Bo Nix do. Um, I'm certainly more impressed with Penix. But with McCarthy, I think he fits a mold that is very early 2000s friendly in the way that people used to view quarterbacks where, you know, you're under center, you can operate the offense, and when we need you to play big, you can. You don't have to do this Patrick Mahomes thing where you you just dominate the entire game and, you know, no no moment is too big, yada, yada, yada. Because at the end of the day, if you've got a quarterback like J.J. McCarthy who's not going to be some earth-shattering superstar like Mahomes – you save a little bit of bank, you know, and you can win with that. You can work with that. So uh, I, I, for one, I think it would be very interesting if he landed in Minnesota. But all that to be said, the, the weirder part about all of this is that McCarthy could be the only Wolverine taken in the first round. Now, we're a long way away from the draft, but looking at Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 uh, draft prospects rankings, and he's got three Wolverines in that conversation. Uh, one of them is linebacker Junior Colson at 43, who's moving up, <laughs> and Roman Wilson, who was not ranked the last time he did this exercise. Um, he's at 50. We talked a little bit before the show, both like Stan Rastill, and we could see him kind of moving up into that conversation and with a good combine could maybe even be a sneaky first-round kind of guy. The, the fact that Michigan just won this national championship and it, might only have one 
first rounder and it not even be the best player from that team it's a little bizarre i get it It, people looked at this michigan team weirdly when oh yeah the allegations how the team was built and all that so i understand how this situation is set up the way it is but it is still mind-boggling that there's a chance that no michigan player will be drafted in the first round um i like something you know we brought up pretty much four names and i one of them hasn't been brought up yet the three you brought up in the top 50 have a good chance of getting thrown in there somewhere and being a sneaky first-round pick. But the most sneaky first-round pick, in my opinion, from this Michigan team is a possible Mikey Saver still pick. Yeah, I think he's an underrated player that plays with grit, plays with intensity, knows the game, but is versatile too. You can put him at slot receiver because he knows the entire route tree and played a year of receiver in college, but then flipped over and played nickel linebacker, or, you know, nickel linebacker slash um, slot slot uh, corner. So he has so many different aspects to him. You can put him in in a blitz package. You can put him out in zone coverage. You can put him in man coverage. You can put him on the offensive side of the ball. You can put him on punt return, punt, uh, punt. You can put him on kickoff, kick return. He's so versatile that I think a lot of people overlook him, but he's definitely somebody who could slide in and be a late first-round pick for a team that people might have not have thought was looking for a defensive back. But being a slot defensive corner is huge in today's NFL, and he's one of the best in the draft. Yeah, and another uh, bizarre aspect of that whole conversation that maybe gets lost on people who are not NFL fans, and they're probably saying, why isn't Blake Corum a first-round pick? Um, you, you mentioned his size earlier. I don't think it's his size at all. I think he's perfectly fine. Uh, I, I think his athletic build and his athletic profile is actually pretty great. It's the fact that he has so many touches. He has been so heavily relied on. I, Donovan Edwards is... is Donovan Edwards not in this draft class, right? Next year, Donovan Edwards will get drafted higher than whatever Blake Corum is this year. But Blake Corum will be a better pro, I think. And that's not a, a slight at Donovan Edwards. It's just Blake Corum's a fantastic football player. But the value to where he's going to get picked is going to be interesting. And I think, honestly, Blake Corum will probably have the best career out of all of the players from this national championship team that are in this draft class. And I say that because... One, one name that kind of squeaks by because he's not in this draft class. He'll be here. He'll be in this conversation next year and he'll be one of the top players picked. It's cornerback Will Johnson, right? So you, you're talking about one of the best players on that team. He's still going to be a Wolverine next year. So Michigan fans at least have that to look forward to. We'll take our uh, picks next here on Mitten Madness after this break here on 95.3 WBCK. 95.3 WBCK. Madness 95.3 WBCK, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. We're going to pick some games here, and most of it is basketball. We do have one uh, one game of hockey mixed in there. Uh, DJ, give them the uh, standings. I know they haven't changed from last week as far as who's first and who's second, but uh, we had a rough week, didn't we? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, we, we came out okay. We were average, three and three, <laughs> both of us. Um, but you do still cling on to a two game lead. You are eight and four after our three and three week last week. I am six and six after our three and three weeks. So I'm still right behind you, but for now, you're holding on tight. Yeah, that was, uh, 
strange week for us to pick all the same games and go three and three. It was, it was rough, but we saw the error of our ways in a few, few of those matchups. So, uh, we'll try our best not to, uh, replicate those mistakes. I'm going to get us started here with the, uh, a, a very monumental game, uh, to say the least. It's going to be a Carver Hawkeye arena. The number six Iowa Hawkeyes will take on the regular season Big Ten champions, the Ohio State Buckeyes, who in their last meeting uh, put the bang thing on Iowa in in a sense. I mean, Caitlin Clark had a fantastic game in that in that one. I think she had, uh, was it 45 points in that game? It was 45 or 35. Uh, numbers are, are hard for me, but... Nonetheless, Ohio State was able to pull that win off and it helped propel them to winning the Big Ten. Since then, Iowa has lost two games, but they're coming off of uh, the record-setting night against Michigan in mid-February and then to close February, an absolutely dominant performance over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And now it is Caitlin Clark's last home game for the Iowa Hawkeyes before these tournaments get started. And she's going to host these Ohio State Buckeyes before heading off to the WNBA. DJ, who wins between the Buckeyes and the Hawkeyes? This one is going to be a bittersweet as Caitlin Clark has been amazing and she'll continue to be amazing. But there's one team that has caused them quite some trouble this year and has been causing trouble all across the the country in terms of women's basketball. And it's Ohio State. They're the number two team in the country for a reason. I'm going to take the Buckeyes, even though I hardly ever do that. I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to stick with Iowa on this one. Uh, I'm going to enjoy watching this one for, for its monumental aspect and for uh, the legend that is Caitlin Clark. You know... Legends do legendary things, and she's got an opportunity to, to right some wrongs here before heading into the postseason. I'm gonna believe in her to do it. Give me, uh, give me the Hawkeyes. Staying on the hardwood, college basketball. Switching over to the men's side now. We got us a Big East matchup on our hands that is crazy. First off, having three Big East teams in the top twelve is astronomical. UConn's obviously leading the pack, but. Marquette, the Golden Eagles are fifth in the country at 13 and four in the conference, 22 and six on the year. Then Blue Jays from Creighton, our man Dougie McBuckets put us on a long time ago. They're 21 and eight. And then you say that again, please. Dougie McBuckets. <laughs> I love that so much. They're 21 and eight and they're 12 and six in the conference. They're 12th team in the country overall. Duty, ESPN's giving them a 69.2% chance to pull it out over the Golden Eagles. Do the Golden Eagles get upset this weekend? Man, do the Blue Jays send it home packing with I'm not going to lie. I want to take Creighton just for the Dunky McBuckets. Um, but there, there is a stat line that is pointing out to me, and it is harsh. Uh, both these teams are very evenly matched across the board, uh, whether it's points, Points allowed, field goal percentage, rebounds, assists, blocks, all of those are practically the same. Except Marquette is forcing five more turnovers per game. Give me give me the Golden Eagles. I really like that stat. I like Marquette here as well. Um, Creighton's in, a, in an interesting position. They just beat a rival in Seton Hall, but they lost to St. John's right after they beat Connecticut. They beat UConn and pushed them down to the three number three team in the country. Coming off of big games is hard sometimes, and and rivalry games prove to be that. 
I think Marquette pulls this one out as well. Dunky McBuckets forever, though. Uh, let's head down to the SEC. We're going to pick my Alabama Crimson Tide once again. Um, they're going to play host to the Dirty Snitches, Tennessee Volunteers. Alabama did not perform very well the last time we picked them against Kentucky. Um, and Tennessee is on a hot streak themselves. But Alabama is one of the highest scoring teams in the nation. And uh, they get to the rim and score from three with regularity. I'm, I'm going to stick with my Crimson Tide as I often do. But... DJ, who do you have in this good old-fashioned hate rivalry between Tennessee and Alabama? Sometimes you just got to play spoiler. And I think that's what Tennessee is coming in to do, play spoiler in <laughs> Alabama. This is in the Coleman Coliseum. <laughs> I love that, though. They're both 12-3. and three. I will say that they're both 12-3 and three in conference. Um, but it, after what I saw from the Crimson Tide against Kentucky, I don't know if I can pick them twice in a row. I got to go with the Volunteers. Yeah, Tennessee is coming off of a uh, pretty big win over Auburn, so I get it. But like I said, I'll stick with Alabama. One more from me on the hardwood. You've got one more for us after this. We're going back to the Big 12. We're talking Kansas and Baylor. I believe we picked this one early. No, no, no. That was Houston, Kansas that we picked um, earlier this year. These are two of the top three teams in the conference. Nine and six for the Jayhawks, nine and six for the Bears. They're pretty even. The Bears seem to be outscoring the Jayhawks just a little bit more. Uh, 81 to 76 there. ESPN's given the Baylor Bears 71% chance to win this game. Do they pull it off over the seven-seeded Jayhawks? I'm I'm going to stick with the Jayhawks. Uh, I've gotten in trouble a couple of times with anticipating certain teams to lose two in a row. Um, I'm not going to do that here. Kansas lost uh, their last one to BYU, which is a bit of a shocker. Um, but they're better than that. And, uh, you know, Baylor had a rough two-game stretch there where they lost to BYU as well and also lost an overtime thriller to Houston. I, it, it's a tough game, and they're very evenly matched in a lot of ways, but I'm going to stick with Kansas, not going to expect them to drop two in a row. As much as I want to pick Baylor to win this game, there's a former Michigan man on this Kansas Jayhawks team, and I don't pick against the Jayhawks too often because they're good at basketball. They're blue blood for a reason. I think Hunter Dickinson and the Jayhawks get it done in this one, and, and they come out with a victory. That Big 12 is, that is a tight conference, and there's a reason they're getting... I think they said nine teams so yeah. far this year in the conference in the big big tourney. Yeah, so it makes sense. Big chunk of uh, Big Twelve teams in the tourney this year. All right, let's close up some basketball picks with the one that we mentioned before. It's going to be the Michigan State Spartans heading down to West Lafayette, Indiana, take on the Purdue Boilermakers, the number two team in the country, but the number one seed in the NCAA tournament overall, according to Bracketology, right now. The Spartans have lost two in a row including to Ohio State and Iowa. Ohio State actually was the last team to beat Purdue, and that was not too long ago, a good 20 days ago or so. Uh, if I, I can't do math, that was like 15 days ago. Uh, nonetheless, Purdue is 25-3, and three, and they are hella dangerous. Michigan State really needs to get some uh, momentum going into the postseason. Are they going to find it against the Boilermakers? So I got a few things to say about this game. Purdue has struggled this year they're 25 and 3 their three losses are in conference play though because mm-hmm. they're 14 and 3 in the big 10 and those are games that they should not have lost that many people feel purdue is not a team 
that has dominated the Big Ten by far this year, right? When we look at their lo- Nebraska, what are you doing losing to Nebraska by 16? In the beginning of the year, this is Nebraska wasn't ranked then. It isn't ranked now, actually. What, what are you doing losing to Ohio State 73-69? Are, are you for, what are you doing losing to Northwestern 92-88? Granted, Northwestern's probably going to end up making the tournament, but two of your three losses, all three of your losses are against unranked teams. That's not good. You're supposed to be the number two team in the country. You're supposed to be a favorite. You're supposed to have Zach Eddy, Wooden Player of the Year, AP Player of the Year watch, Wooden Award watch, all this stuff, and you're losing to unranked teams that aren't even ones that are known to upset people? What are we doing here? That just means if Michigan State shows up and is ready to go, good on time, they have a chance to win this game, which will give them great momentum. But... I don't think Michigan State shows up ready to go. And Purdue <laughs> is playing in Mackey Arena where things get wild. Things get wild, right? All three of their losses are on the road. They're perfect at home. They're perfect at home. I don't expect that to change. Give me Purdue. I do. And I was setting up arguments. I'm like, there's no way he's going to pick Michigan State. But if he does, I'm, I'm coming uh, because there, there's – you'll point out three unranked losses with, like, 18 of their other 25 wins are against unranked teams. Uh, come on. Uh, no, I'm right there with you. Um, I, I, you know, there's, there's a small part of me that hopes I'm wrong. I do want to see Michigan State perform well uh, and try to keep this thing close and maybe pull off some of that magic. But you are not walking into Mackey Arena and beating these Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, it's, it's just not happening. We talked about what Michigan State needs to get better at. Well, guess what? That's something that Purdue's really good at. Zach Eddy averages 11.8 rebounds per game. He's going to dominate in this matchup. So, yes, give me Purdue. Last game of the week, we are heading on over to the ice. We talked a little bit about this game earlier when we brought up the Red Rings and we're talking about their chances of making the Stanley Cup playoffs, which look very, very good. This is a game that is at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit where the Wings are 18-9-5 on the year. They'll be having the visiting Panthers, who are number one in the East. 28 and 2 on the road. This is going to be a tough game. Who do you got coming out with it? Well, it this is tough though. Um, Panthers are on a three-game winning streak, and they won the first game back in November. Uh, that was a long time ago. Two nothing. But back in January, when they played, the Red Wings won three to two. And on top of that, the Red Wings just came off of a six-game winning streak. And we talked a lot about how strong this team is. And I'm not seeing a lot of reason to not choose Detroit. So I'll make the homer pick and give the win to the Red Wings to go up 2-1 in this series in the season. Look at us both staying home on the weekend. I'll be taking the Red Wings as well. I think uh, they have a solid chance to just put some goals up. The biggest thing is Huso is still out in net, so that may come back to bite the wings. But for now, I'm trusting them to make things happen at home as Lion has been great in net for the last couple games. He's got 18 wins on the year as well. So I think we're in good shape. And with that, that has our picks with us both taking Marquette, Kansas, Purdue, and the Wings. I'll take Tennessee. You'll take your Crimson Tide. 
And I've got the Buckeyes over Iowa while you think Caitlin Clark and the Hawkeyes will get us done. Get us on out of here, Jacob. Absolutely. We'll see you next week at 10 a.m. on a Saturday for more Mitten Madness here on 95.3 WBCK. Join Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.